Hi everyone, welcome to the Game Changers podcast. I'm Michael, this is Jeff, Simon, and another guest on today, the Phantom Siren. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Can we kick off, please, Phantom? So, still, still got it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so Jeff's known the Phantom for many years now. Um, how'd that come about? You know, um, me asking. We, I met uh, Gosh. I was probably about 30, 35 years ago. We used to play footy. I met him as a young bloke. We used to play footy in the park at Croydon. And um, Gosh's real name is Fadi, but uh, the story behind his name is when Gosh moved to the area. Um, he was telling everybody that his cousin or uh, Steve Goshen, who coached West in 86 and 87, he told everybody he was Steve Goshen's cousin. Um, and I think they're, they're not cousins, but from, they're from the same so, village. Yeah, my cousin's so, first. Uh, yeah, cousin's and that's where the nickname is stuck. So <laughs> everybody just calls him Gosh. Yeah. Because <laughs> what happened, when I moved to Croydon, there was a lot of people... All the boys, Jeff and the boy, playing under Steve Gosh because he was either Western Suburbs coach. That's right, my brothers. Said, yeah, J- Jim. Jim played yeah, under and Steve. Fred and Abraham and a couple of other boys. And they said, yeah, Steve Gosh and Gosh. And then it stuck from the same village. And then Gosh. My wife didn't even know my name was Fatty. <laughs> she goes, Gosh? Who's Fatty? <laughs> if I had a name so, like Fatty, I'd be calling myself Gosh too. <laughs> That's a fair point. But, um, so, yeah. Gosh, I've known you for a long time. I, I'll. You know, I even coached you, and yeah, you know, right, and, yeah, very illustrious career. I think it was seven games. But <laughs> All off what, the bench, <laughs> hooker, hooker. But, yeah, nice. What what drew you? Because I know that you're you've got a brother as well, Danny, who's a, a yeah. fanatical supporter as well. But what, what drew you to rugby league? Just family, friends growing up in that Lebanese community. Even you guys, fanatical St George supporters, and we idolised the Abrahams in a way. Where St George, St George, and um, cousin of ours, Robert Jebron, like an older bloke. Love St George and we all followed him and then as I say the rest is history yeah. and it was just a good club to follow what do you think do. why do you think so many Lebanese people or people of Lebanese descent follow rugby league when they come to Australia it's just a manly game we always got brought up yeah. in that yeah. sort of manly sort of rugby league game where with utmost respect soccer was more of a girls yeah. game like we thought but it isn't yeah worldwide but it was just sort of we always wanted to play that and then it was just people that you sort of hung out with mm. I think the older up with I think the older generation too Simon just to, to add to what Fadel Gosh is saying because it's St George a lot of the older Christians <laughs> and Maronites and there's still I mean there are a lot of um, yeah. other you know uh, denominations that yeah. follow St George but with the, especially with the Lebanese, they because my uncle started supporting St George because it was Saint that's George, right. and there's a church Saint George. Saint yeah, the Saint George at uh, there at George, Yeah, that's so, right. So yeah, it was just. I mean, that's. But you're right. I mean, it's the manly thing, and yeah. it's a tough game, and we always uh, wanted to play it at school. None of none of the boys around the areas played that soccer. It was always rugby league, talk, 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 talk. And how how did your parents go when you said? Um, I want to play rugby league. They weren't happy. They yeah. had to hide my boots. I just played yeah. probably from year th- under 13s. That's yeah. where yeah. I probably should have finished. <laughs> <laughs> under 13s and went to Christian Brothers Lewisham and then played a couple of years at Ride Eastwood under Jeff. and good. Oh, you played guys. with um, Solo, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, Solomon Hamano, Charlie Yakob. Wow, okay. All those yeah. sort of guys that sort of prolonged their careers. 
So, yeah. Other than Laurie Nichols, and I don't say this lightly, I'm not being smart, but other than Laurie Nichols, you're a, probably the highest profile... Pest. Well, <laughs> they used to call you the pest because you used to stop games. Which, <laughs> that's not employed by the club. I mean, everybody that I know is aware of you. I mean, yeah. how, how did the... How did the phantoms... I mean, how did the siren start? I mean, where did it come from? Well, just probably 99, 2000, no word of a lie, I was in the shower. <laughs> and I'd done the stretch. And I went... <laughs> that sounds like the siren. So I remember that day, Saints were playing West Tigers. Was that at Wollongong? Wollongong. And um, I remember Craig Field was feeding the ball in the scrum, and then um, it was, was just about, before half time. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. A minute to go, or twenty? Yeah, probably yeah. about a minute ten to go. And then something. Trust just, me, I know this. Yeah, <laughs> and something just this. sounded like a siren, and the game just completely. Sean Hampstead was the referee. I nah, you I've seen the video. Yeah, it's been on that when I was on the fan. We got the ball. Sorry. Tigers got the ball, and it was like yeah, twenty minutes, and it was tackle two. It was like forty-eight seconds left. The siren, and he's walked the field, and I'm yeah. like. It was that authentic. It just, and ever since, got on 10 and the radio. And well, you've been interviewed. I think there was an article on you in the Rugby League Week. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you've been interviewed by Vossi. Yes, good man. Great um, man. And so you got a bit of a profile there. Yeah. First bloke to invent something that's made no money. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that's a fair call. It's all fun and games and it was just funny. So how many games have you actually stopped? Probably four or five because now yeah. these days, you know, driven five, six years ago, they're all mic'd up. Yeah. But you always hear them say, no, that's the fan and that's the fan. <laughs> play on, play on. <laughs> that's good. And I've we, seen it firsthand because obviously Fadi sits next to us yeah, at, at Cogger and you sort of, back in those days, you'd look at the time clock and you'd think, oh, God, he's about to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. He's about to do it again. And I'll, I'll tell you, the, the first time I ever, I ever saw you was... 2001 was at Leichhardt Oval and Parramatta were giving the Tigers a hiding. Yeah. Right? And it was about 10 minutes into the second half. I walked down the grandstand with I'm going to make an, an early getaway. <laughs> I, I didn't know who you were. I'd never met you. And I heard you were standing with a few people and I heard you say, oh, boys, stand around me. And I looked and all these guys stood around you and you've just done it and... I just looked away. And I was, I was praying they were going to come along. In this nightmare, finish it, finish, finish it. it. But no, the game continued. Yeah, no, it was always a bit of security and all that. <laughs> Funny. So good. Um, were there ever any punishments? Like, did the NRL ever say, we know who that guy is and he needs no, to? not at all. I was just no? kept telling them, I'm a fan that's just doing my thing, <laughs> screaming. And then you had kids and people trying to mimic the siren. Yeah. That's why I called them mini vanillies. <laughs> <laughs> I told them there's the only one. But uh, it was just a bit of fun and games, but something yeah. so silly can make something like an NRL game stop. Was but you've, I mean, you've got a profile out of it as well. And, yeah. Um, and we're going to touch on some of those things in a moment. Mm. Michael? What is it? Sorry. The, the profile and what he's involved with. Oh, uh, yeah. So... In more recent years, we've seen you involved with Anthony Mundine. Yeah. Um, would like to know how, how that relationship began and where it's developed and where it's at at the moment. You're probably back, it's probably 30 years now I've known Chuck. Um, 
probably 1991. For growing up with Christian Brothers Lordship, our friends like Solomon Hamano, good friends Charlie Yakubu, right, playing yeah. um, weekend football. For remember Tom Farrell, yeah, late Tom Farrell. Yeah. I used to go watch him because we knew 11, 12 ago, watch your mates play park football. And then Anthony and Sol and all that were playing together and Charlie and whatnot against each other. And then we formed a friendship, a bondship that's still strong as today, 30 years later. Mm. Been through his ups and downs and through rugby league, his boxing and whatnot. And it's just been an unbelievable ride. He's been a wonderful, he was a wonderful player because, I mean, obviously we saw a lot of him go play for St. George and, you know, and I know I'm a little bit biased, but he just gave us so much joy and, um, and I just, and this is from a selfish point of view, I just wish he'd played a little bit longer because yeah, I don't think, because I just don't think we, we saw, we saw like three or four really good years, but I just think he was the type of player that could have played 10, 12, maybe 15 years. Yeah, like that the Cameron good. Smith. Yeah, and so I just, but obviously he had other ambitions and um, you, you were involved with that in, you know, with his, because I remember you being in the corner and, you know... We, yeah, being we, just a mate, just a supportive mate. Yeah. Being, as I said earlier, being through his ups and downs. And people don't understand what these athletes go through. Mm. It's just not sort of rock up on the day and fight. You win, win, lose, lose. It's the prep work. It's the diet. It's making the way. Yeah. So, it's Ma- tough gig. Michael's a, a, a football nut. And he often asked me, like, oh, Dad, so who was Anthony Monday most similar to? Because I, I was a bit young to watch him yeah. play. Yeah, and... I just said, well, I guess Benji. Really, yeah. that, that ability to just turn off the cuff, off, off the cuff, cuff and, and do something. And it's it's funny because I think if I think Chalk ended up playing about six or seven seasons, if he would have stayed another five or six, because he, he left, was he 25? 25, 26. With all respect to Benji. He's left at his prime. Yeah, he I was. Think if he would have played to 31, 32, I think he could have been better. Yeah. And credit to Benji, he's still going. He's still, still going. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to so, think, if, if Benji's still playing at what he is now, 35 to 36, mm. well, what Chop could have done the same, same age. With respect to Benji, I, I, if I was to compare the players, I mean, obviously he's had a long and distinguished career, but, I mean, I saw some toughness in, in Chock yeah. defensively. Yeah, you I know, people that. underestimated how actually tough he was. <laughs> and, you know, Saints had a pretty good... Like, those few years he was at St. George, yeah, I mean, nice. they had a bit of success there. And, you know, we always harp back to... And I have this debate all the time about Chock, um, how people say that he lost us the 99 grand final. Well, let me assure you, wouldn't you we wouldn't have got there without him because that final series still will live in my memory till the day I die. I mean... 100%. You know, and, and you don't lose grand finals from 14 2 down. That's exactly uh, what I mean. You know, you can. <coughs> and we scored after that 14. 100%. 14 2 And people forget was, that, and yeah. They forget that. And he brought us there. And if he passed it, Wishart, and Wishart knocks it on, why didn't Anthony go himself? So when Anthony went to put the ball down, the vision is, is it Smith? Which Smith was it? The centre. That knocked, scored. Craig yeah. Smith. Uh, Craig, Craig Smith, Smith yeah. knocked the ball. His knee hit the ball, and Anthony That's dropped right. it. Yeah. And then it just happened. Yeah. But 99, when he got us there against Cronulla, the, and one of the most, not being biased, probably one of the best individual one, performance I've ever yeah. seen in 40 minutes yeah. of any It was incredible. Game. But you, you think, like, everyone talks about, like, Jared Hayne in 2009 and then Ben Barber in 2012. Him and Blacklock in 99... Unstoppable. ...was unstoppable. Yeah. People used to go there, okay, now they've scored the try, now we want to watch him do somersaults. That's right. Yeah. It was just... Mate, it literally had crowds flocking to watch it. It was entertainment oh, plus. Man, it was they were, 
And David Waite actually let him play footy that year. Mate, yeah. I spoke to David Waite about a couple of weeks ago. He couldn't make it to Mundine's press conference. He goes, mate, he was just phenomenal. I love every minute of it. Yeah. And if it wasn't for him, as Jeff said, we it's a team effort, but... Yeah. In that circumstance where Anthony was playing for us, yeah. we wouldn't have got where we got. And it, it was crazy. Why, why was Nathan Blacklock on TV watching it? Um, they were showing one of his tries was similar to one of the yeah, tries that was scored against a Tigers. That's, that's right. Josh yeah. Adokar, was it? No, uh, um, the Hammer. Yes, the Cowboys. That, that's yeah. the Cowboys, that's right. Yes. Same. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I saw that. Yeah, it's a very similar try. They, they, showed, they showed about 10 tries that Nathan Blacklock scored. And me and Michael saying, every try he scored, he was in the middle of the field. He wasn't yeah. just a winger. He, he used to hunt in the middle. He'd chase kicks. They'd grab He was the leading try scorer for three, three years, years in a row. And he didn't make New South Wales. Yeah. Why? Uh, Nathan Blacklock did play one game, I think. Did he? No. I think. No, he didn't. Nope. He went to the Warren Tars. He did not. Did Actually, not you know what? You might be he right. Did. Yeah, you, you might should. be right. Him and Merritt, those back in those days, yeah. and they never got picked and whatnot. So. Yeah, true. With, with, with those fights, I mean, you, you went to a lot of the fights yep. that Anthony fought in. Do you have any, like, are there any special memories? Are there any bad memories? that the, Every one of them was special. Everyone got goosebumps now because when you're part of it, you're so nervous. It's like you're fighting, like a brother fighting, like a yeah. mate fighting. Yeah. It's like you're in the ring. Your heart's just going 100 miles an hour. Man, I'm getting that excited. I'm going to put one on your chin. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you're in the ring with him because you see it, the adrenaline, and what you see inside being part of these guys' life, like you guys with Brownie and whatnot, you just yeah. want them to excel and succeed. Yeah. And people mocking that, but if it was yeah, that easy, go do it. It's, it's, it's funny you say that because you become close to people. Like I, I went a few weeks ago to watch some George and the Warriors and obviously Nathan Brown was coaching the Warriors and and normally I I walk out of the ground after Saints have lost and I'm kicking stones and I'm and I, and it was funny because I was just torn a little bit because I was happy for hundred percent for Nathan to to because I'm happy for him to do well so you you're right you do have that loyalty that particular person exactly right. I still want St George to win yeah. but you were happy for a mate absolutely he's he's a good bloke yeah. good friend of yours. And you want him to succeed. Absolutely. It's like when Amos Roberts, another close friend of ours, when he was playing at the Roosters, mm. he came from St. George. And I was going to more Roosters game than St. George games. Mm. To follow a mate, to be part of that success, to yeah. wish him luck, you know what I mean? So, so was there a particular fight that you... you that's Danny Green. In, the Danny, Danny Green. So you were in the corner? Yeah. yeah, like not actually corner, corner, but right near there. Yeah. With the mate Stephen Brown and whatnot. But uh, it was just unbelievable. The experience, yeah. you can probably... Even Otke was an experience when he nearly won. Yeah. And then just re- of late, um, Otke just came out in the Ring magazine saying, who was your hardest fight? Ten categories. He had Mundine in the eight out of the ten categories. Do you think that if he won that fight, because he was in that fight up until he got knocked out. Around eight, Do you think he's, he's... It was only his eighth professional final or something. Tenth fight? Otke had more total defences than Mundine had fights. Do you yeah. think that his career would have gone a different way if he had beaten Otke? Mm, not at all. No. He lost and everyone would have thought he would go back to league, but he stuck it out. And, and yeah. I praise Jared Hayne and, and um, Holmes for going to a different sport, but not fail, but they didn't make it, but they've resorted back to league. Yeah, but yeah. then got knocked out in his 10th fight, he could have backed to the rugby league. But that, still made as much money. Gosh, that comes mm. down to Aussies. We just want to knock everybody. If Jared Hayne and even Sonny Buell going to Union, and if they were American... They'd be revered, mate. They'd be idolised. You get people like Bo Jackson and Dion Sanders who 
and Michael Jordan went from basketball to baseball, these people are revered. Like, oh, what an athlete. We want to knock, knock them down. Knock them down. Like, oh, want to do that for? What yeah. Because yeah. that comes from a bit of tribalism and we're so passionate about our club as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, for me, I say good on them. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Have yeah. a go. That's it. It's yeah. the Aussie yeah. way to have a go. But there's that element of people yeah. right? that just want to drag you down. The build up to those. You've obviously known him for a long time. Yeah. And we've seen it in America, gosh, how, you know, they put on a performance and he tried to, and we can't hide from the fact, he tried to mimic that to try and sell his fights, which obviously worked. <laughs> the perception of him, and we can't hide from this, right? There's, you either love him or you hate him. And you probably know him better than anybody, right? Because you're in business with him now and we'll yeah. get to that in a minute. But... I mean, and I've only met him a couple of times and I've always found him to be a, a gentleman, polite, courteous, you know, always puts his hand out. From a personal point of view, what, what's all that about? You don't blame the public for not liking him because they don't know him. But when they do meet him as a human being, as an individual, it, it changes the tune. Because we go, when we talk about the business, we go in corporate meetings with your T1s and they think, which Anthony Mundine is going to show up? Mm-hmm. But he's just a quiet, cool cat where you think, is that really Anthony Mundine? Because he was really only trying to sell fights. Entertainer. One's an entertainer and one's Anthony Mundine. As Maddie John said on the face-to-face, mm. Chuck's the entertainer and Anthony Mundine's Anthony Mundine, the real genuine bloke. Chuck was still genuine, but it was his upbeat hit to sell a fight, to get bums on seats. There was more people... Paying to watch him get knocked out, but he made a substantial amount no, of money, and and good luck to him, and good luck. There'll be the same boxing's dead now, and you got Tim Zhu, that's a great fighter, but yeah. quiet. He's yeah. not going to sell and make that money and make that noise as an Anthony money. Yeah, you can tell he tries his best, but he's not the. It's not, not his the, charisma. He yeah. doesn't have that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. I'll say this though, Anthony left St George and started boxing in 2000. At the time, Australian boxing was dead. He put it on the map. Well, there's a lot of boxers and, and you know, it's been said, and I, I, I listen a lot to Paul Kent and because yeah. mm. I think he's a wonderful journalist and, um, you know, he, he always says that Anthony, uh, a lot of the boxers that Anthony Mundine has fought, they should basically kiss the ground that he's walked on. He's right. given every... Sorry. He's given them an opportunity That's right. to make money, um, money that they probably would never have made unless they... You know, going overseas or what? Yeah, so. absolutely. And you got to think, Anthony, when he leaves St George, 99, 2000? 2000. 2000. He left a $650,000 contract, a non representative player, and went to the unknown. Mm-hmm. When he went yeah. to boxing and he was Jared Zoss, he didn't know how much money he was going to make. It was, it was the unknown. So he left Upton Go, 600 grand. Would he have been one of the highest paid players in the game at the time? 100%. Because he was at the highest paid at St. Non, George. Non-representative. And now, back in those days, off the cuff, you can say six, seven, five, eights. Daly, yeah. Johns, Walters, Fitler. Now you've got to think yeah. who's the five eights. Off the cuff, you're not going to remember them all. Mm. Well, there's no... That, that era was so much better. In oh, quality. You're actually making sense, Gosh, and this is worrying me. <laughs> this is actually worrying me. You know, so, that's and true. that's what I taught people. So that's the unknown true. walked into boxing. Yeah. Like Sonny Bill's a great athlete, but he always knows where he's going to. Yeah. He's got from roosters, I mean, from the All Blacks to the roosters, he knows that dollar factor and yeah. that dollar value. Where Mundine went from 600 
to no dollars mm-hmm. and he made... He backed himself. And he backed himself and he gave, as Jeff said, uh, uh, everyone a good payday. Mm. Can we um, can we move forward to the present? Yeah. Um, MGM. You're yeah. in business with Anthony at the moment? Yeah, um, MGM stands for Mundine Ghosh Management. We started this in 2016 and um, knowing for a long time, I sat with him and I said, Anthony, um, got this sort of business venture that every government contract's got to give Indigenous participation and engagement. And they said, mate, I'm all for it because as everyone knows, he's passionate about his people. He gives back unbelievably. Behind the scenes, that's what makes the champion where he goes to hospitals when there's no cameras. He goes to jail visits. And that's the thing that we don't see. And And he doesn't, yeah, that's right. The public can't see. see. That's right. Where he doesn't ring the cameras and say, um, he does it. So what it's telling us is he's a very humble man. Genuine, genuine, genuine. And just giving back, employing Indigenous youths and just giving them a, a, a head start and empowering them if they want to and putting that Anthony Mundine in any sort of frame. It tracks people, mm. opens doors. And, and that's what these balls are about that's here. That's right. Indigenous round, hopefully um, we can get them out there and give back to every code yeah. and whatnot. So, and mocking up these footies and saying... Give I think a- it's a great cause because I think with the Indigenous people, I mean, the, the talent we see, not just in rugby league, but in other sports as well, um, it's all there to see. That's right. And you can only imagine just within the whole country, how many more talented people there oh. are. And, and I suppose what they're looking for is a bit of opportunity. But in saying that too, uh, Gosh, they need that discipline. If they get involved in that, you know, it's about discipline as well, and that, which is what Anthony has shown throughout his career. That's right. Doesn't and it? not just him, but we're talking, you know, there's Adam Goods and there's, you know, Michael O'Loughlin, Michael O'Loughlin and mm-hmm. Ash Barty and yeah, all those. Mitchell, yeah, Mitchell, all those sort of guys. And never drunk, never smoked. Never put those poisons in his sieve. So he's got that sort of vision and that right direction to sort of empower the next generation. And that's what he always wants to do and that's what he's doing at the moment. So if I say good luck to all, if you're helping, good luck. <laughs> doesn't that's have right. to be a mundane. It could be Joe, Joe Blow from the street. Yeah. You're helping, you're oh, trying to... It could be Daha. could be Fadi Daha, the, <laughs> the Paul Lamer, yesterday's hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thanks for no, coming. I really show. appreciate you no, coming, mate. Thank, you, thank me for having just me. Just so you know, I mean, we, we we briefed you on this. This is about a fan's perspective. Yeah, a fan's perspective it's, it's and, fun. You know, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And Loved it. Yeah, I think the only way to finish yourself would be with a full time siren. <laughs> Sorry, no problem. <laughs> Thanks guys, thank you.